and uh, my heart is full. It was only a little bit empty. It's still quite full. God, you are exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You are great. You are mighty. God, I praise you this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, for what you want to say to each of us this morning. We just sang, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And God, we, we not only welcome your Holy Spirit, but we need you, God. We, we hunger, we thirst, we crave for your power, God. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you for our very breath. God, I praise you and I thank you, God, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for the wonder of who you are. And Lord, I pray that the soil of our hearts would be softened and tender so that the seed can go down deep, deep into the soil of our hearts to produce all that you intend it to produce. For we know that your word will not return void. And I praise you for that, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. We worship you. We lift up the name of Jesus Christ as the God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. In his name, amen. I, uh, as I said, I, I'm just overflowing here. And uh, one thing the Lord's been hitting me with so much this week is to be excited about the process that he's taking us through. We know that when we accept Jesus as our Savior, he gives us a plan, a hope, and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar verse that we know. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. We may not know what the plan is for us, but he says, I know the plan I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future to prosper you, not to harm you. God's plan is really, really amazing. And I see all through scripture, and, and even earlier, as, as Brooke was praying the first time, before we sang the last worship song, when she was praying, I don't even remember exactly, the Lord just sent me to David and Goliath. And when David came out, and as small as he was, and as by himself as he was, as young as he was, as ill-equipped as he was, he came out with a heart that was all about God, connected with his power, knowing that what was happening at that moment with this huge Philistine giant testing the Lord's army, that it should not stand. And what was on his mind was not whether he had support, whether he had the strength, whether it was appropriate, whether it would be acceptable, whether he had any help. He just knew what God had done for him, with him, through him, in all that he had had in his previous relationship up to that point with the Lord. And he came in with that weight in faith, saying, I can do this, not because of me, but because the Lord will do this. And I want to encourage you, like we know Zechariah says, despise not small beginnings, whether it be as a church or in your own life, whatever small beginning, and, and people can define that differently, things you've been through, um, advantages you didn't have, don't despise that, because God 
the hope and the future and the calling that he's given all of us is so much bigger than we could even imagine. And he uses every single thing, every single thing that we go through. But this morning, what God has been laying on my heart is that what we go through is a crossroad. We, we often think of the term crossroad as something major in our lives, okay, where we have to go to the right, left, where do we turn? But really, multiple times a day, we're faced with the choice of either doing things God's way or surrendering back into our flesh and our carnal nature, agreeing with the demonic suggestions and imaginations that hit our mind. And you know, you have the opportunity in your walk with the Lord, and has been, to either build levels of power through the lessons in your life, or build levels of authority through denying God, letting God work through you. And God laid this title on my heart this week, Lessons Equal Levels. But those levels are based on your choice. They can be levels of power for good or for evil. And as we know that the Lord has released this line in the sand mentality, this, this stark, obvious, there's always been a consequence of our choices. But he's now made it very, very clear. And he is drawing out to plain sight the, the condition of the bride as he's readying it. And, oh man... This just turned on its head, this whole idea of struggles and trials. And I want you to turn with me to a few different scriptures. Many I'll speak of, so you can jot them down. We won't go to all of them. But I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and turn there with me because um, this one is perhaps one that you're very familiar with. Uh, if you're not, you need to memorize it. Of course, I'm going to say that about everything because I, I believe in... in Knowing the word, having it hid in your heart that you may not sin against God. That's a, just something that I just desire more and more and more. But um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says in verse 7, well actually it's in, really in verse 16. For which cause we faint not. And I'm in the King James right now, so I'm going to go back and forth between New Living and King James if you can keep up. <laughs> Thank you. Right now I'm in King James. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, or our present trouble, which is but for a moment, okay, that momentary vapor that, that is really the existence of our life here on earth, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And why is that? Because while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. This is the picture of really this faith walk and this yes journey that we're on with the Lord. He is working levels of weight in the glory realm in our lives. And oh man, if we will let him, what he can do with a surrendered life of yes, filled with his spirit. You know, every time you choose God, every time you make a choice to not 
give in, but to surrender to God's plan, even in our weakness, and say, okay, God, and by the way, it's the best place to be sometimes, saying, God, I can't do this. I cannot do this. i got to tell you, physically speaking, when we're in the middle of this church-wide fast, uh, that's what my flesh was screaming out a couple hours ago. And, um, I got, and I reached out for prayer over that because my spirit can run 20 marathons right now, but my physical body was just shaking. Well, there are times when God will say, lay down. There are other times when he'll say, you got to move forward, and I will be your strength and your weakness. And so when we're in tune with him, we'll know how to steward our body in those moments as well, because sometimes the body is given sustenance. Other times it is not because he will be the sustenance for the lack of what we have in the human realm. And, um, and I'll tell you, God is just, um, he, is, he is building something really, really significant in us, especially during this fast, but as a whole. Um, I was thinking of a song that was being sung a, a minute ago, the, the line, I had to remember the phrase so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, it's the one, the song, Another in the Fire, and it says, I'll count the joy come every battle. Because I know that's where you'll be. That phrase needs to be the mantra of this army rising up. That every battle we count the joy. Why? Because it's fun to win. Isn't it? Isn't it fun to win? And I may sound a little bit political in some of the things you've heard that our president has said, but I'll tell you what, in the spirit, it's true. We're just going to win, 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 and then we're going to win some more. Because that's what more than a conqueror does. More than a conqueror conquers and then conquers. That is a win-win. But there's nothing to win if there's no battle. And so unless we change our paradigm, we're never going to get ultimately the growth that God intends for us to get. And we're never going to be able to walk with the weight, the eternal weight of glory that worketh for us in this life, for eternity. And when I look at these people in Scripture, I mean, David flooded my mind in that moment against Goliath, but even Noah. You know, we often talk about Noah being called to build this big boat. And that was crazy. I, all he had, he did not have a team. He did not have a construction company. God didn't call him out of business based on his natural inclinations of, of abilities. He just said, there's a heart that has weight. Because if you knew the times, that what was going on at the times, I mean, evil beyond comprehension, supernatural, demonic manifestations that had so infiltrated those times, that it had just, I mean, it was almost insurmountable to stand up against. You know, we think we face various temptations, but those days of Noah were really intense, and he sees a pure heart in Noah, and he called him, not just to build a big boat, but to basically say, you're going to, I am going to use you to wipe out the world, except for those I led in your boat. Now, when you think about that, and we often need to apply these things to our, our realm that we're in now in modern-day examples. It wasn't through weapons. It, wasn't, it was like he called him to a task that was already impossible. And not just the impossibility, like I said, of, of building the ship, the boat itself. But he calls us to a place that with his spirit and the power of God himself on us, and the weight of our faith and trust and the level that has been built through our yes and surrender. 
combination of that is like, you know, like it's, it's just insane. We are at the most exciting time. The readying of the bride. He is calling us to be an army rising up. And I said this downstairs to the ladies, but i got to tell you, if you are fasting, if we, okay, because the Lord already dealt with me on this this week, if you are fasting just to get through the fast, you are missing it. It is tough to fast, no question. Learning things, deciding that, you know, you're willing to eat things you don't normally eat just so that you have a variety, or eating the same thing over and over again. Welcome to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Manna, 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 manna. Lord, you got anything else? I mean, like, you know, humankind is still humankind. It's hard. It's hard. But I'll tell you, God wants us to not just see our own little world we will have breakthrough. He has called this fast for our eyes to look at the broader assignment of what he's called us to. The prayer that Brooke prayed a minute ago over uh, abortion. It is significant in the spirit. Where that went, where that was sent, and how the Lord heard that prayer. One little person, okay, in the little old church, okay, knew very, very much at the beginning The power of a spirit-filled, faith-filled, yes-filled, surrendered life going before the Lord boldly to obtain mercy, to find grace in her time of need, as Hebrews said. It's so powerful. Toward the end of Psalm 103, he says he dispatches our angels, his angels, to, to go on assignments to fulfill his word. Based on what? Based on the prayers of the people. That had great weight. And I'll tell you, every single thing we go through takes us to another level that brings weight in the spirit that is so awesome. And there's a few other scriptures that I really want to show you. Um, let's look at First uh, Peter 4. This one is um, two strengths of glasses, so you may see me doing a switcheroo here. First Peter it might even be second. Hold on. I wrote it down. And it is second. Yes, sorry. Um, nope, that's it. We walk in the light. Sorry. I should know these by heart anyway. Um, yeah, beloved, verse 12. First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, let us think it's not strange. Or a new living says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange is happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Why? Because these trials, okay, will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing in his glory when it is displayed or revealed to all the world. Oh, man. Philippians. When Paul is saying Philippians, in Philippians 3, that I may know him and what? And the power of his resurrection. You know what he's saying there? That I may just get figured out in, my, in every fiber of my being what the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did for me on the cross, what that really means. That his resurrection, that I would just get it through my, my human limited finite thinking that by faith I would receive the power of his resurrection 
Why? Because Ephesians tells us that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. It is in us. And so Paul is saying, if that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, Philippians 3.10, by the way, is that first, and the sufferings and sharing his sufferings. He's again talking about sharing in his sufferings. Why do we have to share in his sufferings? Because Jesus, the weight of levels and lessons learned, was learned through surrender. This is the Isaiah 53 Jesus, a man acquainted with grief. He knew it well. He was despised, rejected of men. He was he bore all of our sins on the cross, but even in his in his ministry he was despised. He was not believed. He had only a small nucleus that supported him, that were his stretcher bearers. But he knew the power of God was bigger than even his circle. And I'll tell you, there is a weight that I don't know about you, but when God lights the fire within me of where he's called us to go, to see the world saved, to see them ripped from Satan's grasp out of hell, to see them healed, to see them delivered, to see the witches' infiltration in the churches plucked out and or saved and transformed, to see that the opportunity to be part of this, part of this calling is huge. That's going to take a weight, a level in the spirit that only can be gained from the going through. Bryn Seller spoke at our women's conference in this past March, and um, there, is, there is just a weightiness in the words that she speaks and the words that she prays and the words that come out in pen when she writes. Because the journey that she has been on as the mother of a sick child, when she started making the decision years ago that she would reject conventional wisdom and do it God's way, and with much of a battle that ensued because of some of the decisions and some of the things that she was not willing to accept, she wanted God's plan for her son and for her family. And God began to do a transformative work in that family, as you know the story. But that has created in the spirit a weightiness that someone certainly acquainted with grief. She understands that grief. But with that, see, she could be an embittered, heavy, with a heavy level of bitterness, resentment, sorrow, sadness, anger, shattered family, certainly divorce. Forget it, checked out. I'm going to be here for my son, but I hate God and I hate everything that I'm going through. That's what happens when levels come that are not of God. We have choices. We produce levels within our lives in one way or the other. So it's like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Is this going to be a level that's given over the Holy Spirit can take over and give you a weightiness that will move for the eternal kingdom realm purposes in life, this is so, so, so important that we understand. That is why I love that phrase in the, in the song, count the joy come every battle. Because the battle in our lives represents an opportunity that in that going through, we come out on the other side stronger, better, 
um, with, with a, strong, a spiritual muscle that you just don't have when you are when you when you withdraw from the the being crucified with Christ, as Paul said. When you withdraw from that, you become the Christian that can't stay in a church for five minutes if the air conditioning isn't perfect, if the songs are not right, if they've repeated too many songs, if if, the, if somebody dare took their seat, okay, I'm out. How would a church ever? They should know that is my seat. I mean, crazy stuff. You know, somebody saying off-key, they should have a better music program than this. I don't like what the pastor said. I mean, you know, and then they become the hoppers, the church hoppers, hoping to find their answer in another group of people that will, you know, tickle their fancy. Oh, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for the people in the bride that, that are looking for this external. And, and what they don't see and they're deceived, but God's changing this is that they think they can just be lukewarm and just allow themselves to get excited when they want to get excited. No more. No more. That church hopper is going to manifest the darkness and the coldness in their heart that has been allowed to be there because when every time you say no to God, you're saying yes to someone else. And that is the enemy. Because John 10.10 lays it out. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his agenda. You have demons assigned to you upon conception, seeking to take out your life. It's like, man, wake up, bride. Talk about these things that are real. They're real. What, do we just forget? Do we just kind of cut Ephesians 6 out of our, out of our Bibles? Like, this is the shaking that God's been just lighting a fire in me to pray over the bride to wake up. Satan is snuffing out lives, not only in the womb through abortion, which is evil and we're, we're warring in the spirit right now for that, but he's snuffing out believers' lives in, a, in their effectiveness, in their power, in the weightiness of the spirit because of the deception. And the deception is easily had because they will not, people won't talk about what Satan knows is real. And that's why when you go through, when you are willing to get into the secret place, and say, God, search me, know me, try me, and I will not despise what you're taking me through. Because what you're taking me through is going to reveal something to me that I need to see that will unlock the power that you have within me. Because you know what? It's like the Holy Spirit comes in, we get saved, we have this power that's within us. But it gets locked and bogged down by the junk that we won't surrender to God. And he's like... You just, I, I can't, I will not usurp your will. I will bring the power of my conviction. But you've got to say yes to the purging. You've got to say yes to that. You've got to say yes. He can provide everything needed as the trainer to develop the spiritual muscles so that we can have the level of weight in the spirit. He can provide it all as he has. His spirit, his word. Leaders, counselors, I mean, he can provide so much for you. But if you don't show up, you're going to miss it. I remember years ago um, seeing this interview on Oprah when she had her show. And a famous country singer came on the show. It was, I'll just tell you who it was. It was Winona Judd. She's likely to not necessarily see this message. So. <laughs> um, so she came, and she came with her mother, and she had really been battling her weight. 
and uh, just lots of addiction issues. She had issues with alcohol and so forth. She came and she had this heart-to-heart talk, and Oprah was gonna, you know, going to Oprah as kind of like a savior at the time. And, and so there was this all this emotional, encouraging show. And Oprah said, look, I've got a gift for you. I am going to send you the best trainer you have ever heard of. She had, I think uh, Oprah's trainer at the time had just written a new book. And she said, I am going to supply you with all the materials cost-free. It's a gift from me. The best of the best. Pre-made meals and everything you can imagine. We're going to provide it. We're going to, we're going to kick this thing. And they were just, yes. And I'm, you know, she said, are you committed? And yes, I'm committed. And Anna said, and she's great. So it showed a follow-up show to the process. And the cameras went with the trainer when they, he started showing up. And it was like the first few days the trainer came and she cooperated. But then she started murmuring and moaning and realizing that this isn't so comfortable. And now I'm on withdrawals from this, the substances that I'm detoxing from in this new way of eating and, and of course, just the plain old toxins of drugs and alcohol. And eventually, but not even that far into it, it got to the point where she would not even answer the door when the trainer showed up. She just wouldn't even answer the door and had excuse after excuse after excuse. And she literally, because of her unwillingness to surrender to the process, even with all of that provided for her, was not able to have success. And I just thought, wow, how often do we do that? The Lord is knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That is to the believer in Revelation. I want to come in. I want to sup with you. I want to talk with you. I want to tell you things about what I, how I want to use you. I want to tell you things about the hope and the future that I have. And by the way, our hope is Jesus Christ himself. Hope is not some external thing. It's an emotion as well. But when you are anchored in Jesus, you are never without hope. There is always hope. And that is one of the greatest deceits in our world, in our nation today, is this hopelessness, the suicide rates, insane. And the bride is having suicides. Some of you may have heard, of, as Brennan actually sent me, I said on the prayer call, the uh, megachurch associate pastor that started a ministry for anxiety and depression, trying to help people, but he himself opened about his own issues with depression. And he killed himself just days ago. I mean, and the thing that struck, well, several things struck me, but I thought, okay, megachurch, where, where was the awareness that this is a deliverance issue? This is a, this is a, and, and I don't know, I, I don't want to indict any, anybody. I, I know that it's the most, the most sad thing you can imagine, but we got to call things what they are. And when 10, 10 Corinthians 10 addresses it, and Ephesians 6 addresses it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we don't just wrestle against thoughts that are just these abstract things. These imaginations are told to be cast down because they are demonic in nature. That's why the only thing that can tear down the strongholds is Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are to the tearing down through Christ Jesus, it says in in, um, 2 Corinthians 10. So it is a big, big deal that people, when they avoid the truth of the spirit realm, it, I mean, it's an opportunity for Satan to get in and get more levels of deception, more and more levels. The more, he, the more you accept his lies, and we talked about this in the ladies' class this morning, and you don't take your thoughts captive, 
He creates layers and layers and layers of deception and strongholds and and he has a whole strategy of, of additional agreement that will let him in to hinder, to block, to even take over. But the opposite is true as well. The opposite is true as well. And Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is a representation of a life who whose lessons brought such a weightiness in the in the um, kingdom realm. I was writing, I was uh, reading this profile. Uh, in um, one of my Bibles about Paul, and I wanted to read this for you. It was it was really amazing um, just to see. No person apart from Jesus Christ Himself, this this uh, profile was saying about the Apostle Paul, shaped the his, the, the history of Christianity like Apostle Paul. Even before he was a believer, his actions were significant. His frenzied persecution of Christians following Stephen's death, got the church started in obeying Christ's final command to take the gospel worldwide. Paul's personal encounter with Jesus changed his life. He never lost his fierce intensity, but from then on, it was channeled for the gospel. And, uh, and then it goes into his training, but, um, but one thing that it says it toward the end of this, it says God did not waste any part of Paul. His background, his training, his citizenship, his mind, or even his weaknesses. That's a significant statement. Because some people are deceived into thinking that, well, I know God's training me now since I've gotten saved. But, you know, I have all this baggage from before I was a believer, or this baggage from my upbringing, or these traumas from my childhood, or things that I've been through. How can God use any of that? That is such a lie. That is such a lie. What Paul went through was exactly, because it was handed to God, was exactly able to be used for his, his purpose and his calling. Another one that comes to my mind, and I'll probably mention Paul again, but is Joseph. Joseph had, had gone through so much, and, and it's interesting. Here he goes from a young, favored son, enabled probably quite a bit by Jacob, his father, and, and then had these dreams. God gave him a glimpse of his future. But then was like, to get there, you got to have the going through. You, this is what I have for you. I have this ruling, reigning, the stewardship of this calling for you. But you don't have the level of weight in the spirit yet to be able to handle one bit of this. So now we start the going through. And it is up to you, my precious son, to say yes every part of the journey. And not forget that I will never leave you or forsake you, that I go before you, I am constantly with you, and that every single thing you go through, no matter how far away derailing it looks like from the promise, has a purpose in the promise, if you just keep it placed in my hands. And of course, what you know the story, what he went through. Totally rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, forgotten while in prison, having an opportunity to get out, and then a temptation set up that he resisted. You know, and remember, when you really look at the details of the story, which we won't read in full now, but when you look at it, you, I mean, a lot of people in a carnal mindset could have seen that this temptation of Potiphar's wife could have been a ticket out. You know, when you start leaning on your own understanding, you get a little, little kooky and justify a lot of crazy things. He could have seen this as a ticket to get away from everything that he'd been through. But in everything... 
we see the lessons that he got. And this, this whole getting thrown into prison is no small thing either because the psalmist refers to the, the, the beating on his feet that took place. I mean, this was a torturous place. And some of us experiencing physical pain, that is our Achilles heel when it comes to really trusting God and when it comes to surrendering God. Some people that go through physical pain become very bitter because they so hate being in pain. See, God has to put you through refining fire of circumstances to reveal and purge what's in us. This is why we are also called to go through things in community. Not just, the secret place is very, very important, but we're not to just stay in the secret place and soak in him without also growing in community. Because guess what? If I'm building iron in the the secret place, how is it ever going to be sharpened unless it comes up against your iron? And since one of the most important things we need is love, how am I ever going to learn love if I don't come and get up against people that are not very loving? Loving, lovely, you know, who, who don't love me. I mean, all these things that hit our love. And if there's one thing that will come against the flowing of all the gifts, not just the manifestational gifts of the Spirit, but all the gifts of the Spirit, every good gift and perfect gift that God gives, it is love being taken from your life. And it is also the reason for the greatest dissension in the bride, because we don't get love. And most of us will not go through what it takes to go through in the iron sharpening iron environment. Can I just tell you, and I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures regarding Joseph that are amazing, but can I just tell you, when it comes to this, this relational, this community growth, the relationships that God puts in your life are very significant to sharpen you. And when you resist it, there can be a real danger of derailing your calling. We have to really be careful. There are there is a, a soul tie connection that what God, again, what Satan means for evil, God means for good. There are two forces fighting. God wants you in relationships for the purpose of impartation. Okay, so let's just say my, my relationship with Shannon, what God's doing in Shannon's life and what God's doing in my life. When we come together, there is an impartation of, of connection, of growth, of encouragement, of building up, even with my own daughter as she's growing, and, and all the relationships that you're in. It's kind of like what, um, and I mentioned this yesterday at the beginning, it's kind of like these commercials for, for law firms when they say that, you know, we're, we're able to provide these great services for you and there's 50 years of experience between us. And, you know, you're looking at two younger people or three, three you know, maybe middle-aged or younger people and you're thinking, how is there that much experience? It's the combined. They're able to... As a combination, the connection they're working together is giving you in the sum total of of their working together 50 years of experience to do your, or 75 years or whatever the number is. And it's the same in the spirit. This impartation, this power that is connected. So your relationships are key. They can either be a building up and a sharpening or they can be an assignment from the enemy to drain and to drag the life right out of you. And those of you sensitive in the spirit know what I'm, what I'm saying when you get around people that have that draining, that are maybe sent to, to try to stifle uh, what God wants to do in your life. I'm not saying you're not sometimes called to pour into those that need that. But you better be aware with the Lord what the purpose is of your relationships. Know what the purpose is of every relationship that you come into contact with. 
because there is, uh, there is a divine purpose. We, you could be sent anywhere, anyone that, that from all over, anywhere in the world could be sent to us. We know God's sovereign. He, he's perfect in all of his ways. The fact that your circle of people, circle of influence, your friends, those you come into contact with, are those people, the fact that that is who you, who you know, is not an accident. It is not an accident. God knew exactly who he needed in your life. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, but what about so-and-so? That, she is just a thorn in my side. Or, well, what about the family God put me in? I never thought I'd ever go through so much. I don't care if it's an abuse situation. I don't care if it's somebody that, you know, just whatever. Like, I remember being bullied terribly on the bus uh, when I transferred into from one Christian school that I grew up in to, to another one. And it was a long bus ride. And uh, finally one kid ended up sticking up for me and not so great either. It was, it was just an everyday kind of a deal. And, you know, you look back at some of those circumstances and you go, man, why did I have to go through that? Why of all people did, did he have to be on my bus? You know, that was just tormenting me every day at school. God had a purpose in that. Satan had a purpose in it, but God had a purpose in it. I could either be bitter, or I can look back and go, wow, I had a tender heart more than anybody else um, for that particular kind of bullying, you know, or, or more than, than people that wouldn't have gone through that. Because I'm acquainted with the grief of bullying. And that wasn't the only time I was bullied. I was bullied even worse later. But I mean, things that, that I know what that feels. And that built a spiritual muscle in me when I surrendered it. It could have built a level of more bitterness, of more rejection of people. And believe me, Satan wants to take your trauma and your trials and build his own level. And it's up to us to say, no, no, no. My lessons are going to be surrendered to God because I want the eternal weight of glory. Because the things that I can see are temporal. The things that I cannot see are eternal. That's so, so, so important. Um, I want you to see, though, what is produced by these levels. Look at Genesis 41. This is just so mind-boggling to me. In Genesis 41 is where we see Joseph coming into... I don't need that paper. Um, Genesis 41, uh, when he is coming into... um, the second time out, okay, he was dealt with Potiphar the first time, now he's coming out to, to Pharaoh. And starting in verse 37, this is when um, Joseph again told the dreams to Pharaoh. And right away, Pharaoh, God allowed him to see that the training, what, what God's training and what God had put Joseph through and the lessons he had had to learn over and over again of suffering, of heartache, of trials. Look what this produced. Because this is, oh, this is right around the corner for us. Verse 37, and I'm going to read the New Living again. We may be off by a word or two. But it says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. They were, as they discussed who should be appointed for the job, Pharaoh said, who could do it better than Joseph? For he is a man who is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Turning to Joseph, Pharaoh said, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, you are the wisest man in the land. I hereby appoint you... Okay, now here's where it gets nuts. You're just like, seriously? This guy just came out of prison. You know, like, he was the lowliest of the low. And if you know anything about the political arena, these things did not happen. (laughs) They just did not happen. You had to go through a lot to be chosen. 
But I mean, this is a supernatural favor of God because the weight and the level of what Joseph went through brought him way above. And of course, Joseph gives all the glory to God. But he says, I hereby appoint you to direct this project. You will, the project was, of course, the interpretation of the dreams and the famine coming and, and what to do about the famine coming. Only I will have a rank, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. I mean, not like, hey, why don't you be an aide? Why don't you help? Why don't you lend a little bit of, of maybe whatever that it is that you know, and we'll see how it goes, but I've got my guys, you know. I mean, he just, like, he lost his mind, and humanly speaking, and if you don't think the people around him thought that he lost his mind, I mean, can you imagine his inner circle? People that are, um, they say this about the president and about people that are, have great influence, that it isn't, uh, it's often the, um, the proximity, the, 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 the envy of people is that they are literally, humanly speaking, those that are in closest proximity to that person in power are the ones that are the, the most envied uh, because there's just something about that. They, they like that, that connection. And that's why you'll see, sorry, it's a little side note. That's why you'll see that when witches or witchcraft through people uh, tries to infiltrate a church, they try to attach themselves and spend time in proximity to leadership to have their ear, to have their, to, to be an influence within what they hear and say. And that's why we got to call, uh, to the Lord and protect uh, our leadership in churches as well as in this nation from that very thing happened. If you want a good example of that, go to Acts 13. Fantastic example of a Jewish sorcerer that did that with um, the governor and when Paul and, Silas, or Paul and Barnabas were there. But this guy is giving Joseph all of this authority. Then Pharaoh places his own signet ring on Joseph's finger as a symbol of his authority. Dresses him in beautiful clothing, places the royal... Uh, chain around his neck, everything. But I love, I love what this says in verse 44. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am the king, but no one will move a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. What? He just came out of prison. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, isn't there like a waiting adjustment time, you know? You got that prison mentality, you know, we got to kind of take you through a, a readjustment into society kind of mode. No. He clearly carried something on him that can only be through the power of the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you, and it's not about, you know, when, when you have this hunger for this, it's not to have a level to satisfy your carnal nature. As soon as you do that, you know, you're back to the level that Satan's trying to get. It's about recognizing, you know, some of you already, and, and it's happening to me, the fire within me that God is placing there to see things changed. Jeff has talked about it with, with healing. Shannon has talked about it with helping the, the helpless that when she went through the trip in Nigeria, that just a burning within her and burning within Jeff to see people healed, to see people helped who cannot help themselves. God will begin to put things within you. And this last week, I, I, I kind of felt like Jacob wrestling with the, with the angel, with God, to bless him. I mean, you know, I just was like, watching my hips. <laughs> I don't want my hip out of socket. <laughs> but I was like, but I just, my prayers in the secret place was, God, I have to have you. I have to have you. I cannot breathe. I cannot go another moment without 
your power, without your love. And then I started there. I was like, God, I have got to know your love for me. I've got to know it because it's not going to spill out. It's not going to overflow unless you help me to receive it. It has to be received. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. How can, we, how can I bear the love shield and ignition and not know how loved I am? There is nothing to spill out. And we are done. This time of niceties, the religious talk of love is no more. It is no more. It has got to be birthed from something real. You cannot let the Spirit of God spill out of you if he is not in you in the first place. Are we hearing this? Are you hearing this, church? This is where my heart has been, and it's got to be. It's like, God, if you are going to take me where you've shown me you're going to take me, then it's got to be you because I have nothing. I have nothing of myself. And that's a good place to be. You want the wisdom of God? Get stupid. Get stupid before the Lord because that's the place that will humble you. I have nothing. My intellect is only as strong as God will get it because otherwise it's just like brain freezes all the time, right? But God, is, he wants that hunger. He wants that hunger. And I see that in Paul. I see that in Joseph. I, I saw that in Moses. You know, you look through scripture and you're like, he, he takes these people with dysfunctional, limited circumstances and dysfunctional families and, and things that, that they're inept in the human realm to handle. And he gives them this huge calling and it's based on their yes, their surrender, their heart, and then finding the joy in the battle. The joy in the battle. If you start whining and fussing, and, and, and this is so for me as well, if we start whining and fussing and murmuring and groaning, we're going to be that generation that does not get into Canaan. Because I'll tell you what, where we're going, just like the children of Israel, it is not just some pasture land waiting for us to coast in and it's about time I'm a little tired of manna and quail. Okay, like, it's not that. It's occupied. By many, many ites, Gurgisites, Zebus, Hittites, Hivites. I mean, they're just ites, ites, ites. They're just they're nasty ites. They need to all be swatted away. <laughs> but you know, they're there, and it's, it's a picture of the fact that Satan is sitting on our territory. Is that not what we're warring for right now? We are warring in the spirit to take territory that belongs to God. It never should have been given by Adam in the first place. Hence the battle. But we are called, the remnant is called to rise up. We are an army rising up. That tagline is because there will never be a time when there's not a battle. But take joy in the battle. Because when we win the battle, we gain a level of authority. We gain a level of power that lets us go further into the territory that lets us take more ground and be more than a conqueror. We conquer, then we conquer some more. And so there will be great joy. There will be great battles. And when God started showing me this week that that, that the very power of the lessons learned, I'm going to be able to, to just through impartation of the Spirit of God on my life, I want to help others. You know, everybody in this room would love to go to a loved one or a friend or a neighbor that we've been burdened for. And just be like, Holy Spirit, I want you to rest on me. Like Jeff had talked about some time ago. I want want to host you at a level that is so intense that it just breaks atmospheres as I move. Do you not want that? You've got to see this because it's just too good. We've got to go there. This is is where uh, Peter um, in Acts, 
I just love it. Go to Acts. Let me give you the chapter here. It's right in the beginning. I think it's four. I don't have it. I wrote it down on this paper here. X 15. Sorry, it wasn't four. It's 15, uh, five, excuse me. Five, verse 15. Peter's walking through. And it's, it's so interesting because um, he's saying um, they brought the sick onto the streets and laid them on beds and couches. And so that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. This was, this was the reputation that he got. You've got to read through the, the whole chapter when you get a chance because it was like the people had a, a, a real, they, didn't, they couldn't understand it, probably didn't have a language for it because some of them, they, they would have had to have known that that's absurd to think that somebody's shadow would heal. But what Peter hosted at that time made no sense, but it produced results, and they wanted it, and they wanted it. We know that it wasn't the shadow. It was literally the Holy Spirit of God so spilling out. And look at Peter's life. What an example. If he had not gone through, gone through, gone through, surrender, surrender, and even recovered from a terrible blunder of denying Christ three times, I mean, think about how, how hard that would be to recover. You know, to, to go back and not look at your whole rest of your life as just one big condemnation. After that doozy, okay? But he didn't. He kept laying his life down. And right now, every time we lay things down, every time we say, Father, I will see joy in this battle, this going through. I, I'm right now, Father, I am pretty acquainted with grief in this area. But you know what? Or, or maybe you're being despised, rejected. We, we know we are as a church on some level and then individually. But God, I want to be like Jesus. How can I not go through that? How can I not share in the fellowship of his sufferings and not have some times where I go through? But God, the going through is going to produce that level. It's going to produce that muscle. It's going to produce the very weight of glory. Because see, less of me, more of him. How do you get more hosting levels on you? Get rid of more of you. More of me. It's got to go. It's got to go. And you know what? None of me is the goal. None of us. To have the mind of Christ to be renewed and transformed in our minds. We've got to then change paradigm. We've got to be willing to not be entangled with the things of this life that so easily beset us. We've got to be willing to let go. We know that we, they're seeing the manifest example of that with those moving. And, and we've seen the walk of Beth and Corey in the human realm literally letting go of what weighs them down. But for some of us, it's not just that. It may be possessions. For, for young people that don't have a whole lot of possessions, they represent years and years of buildup. But all of us have years and years of buildup based on what it is. It may be succumbing to thoughts. So we got a whole bunch of junk built up, and we got to clean out the garage of the back of our mind. And finally, forgive, get over it, move on already, and let God take some of our hurt, some of these injurious thoughts that hit us. This whole idea of taking thoughts captive is part of the entanglement that, that so easily beset us. But every time you choose, no matter how much it hurts your flesh, every time you choose, no matter how much you, you know, there is a comfort in dysfunctional thinking. There can be a comfort. You look at the story of Jacob and Esau when they, they had their tip and went separately. Esau actually soothed himself. He comforted himself with his own hate. 
You know, there are people that become successful because they are so bitter, they're so, they're so hateful toward their abusive dad that they're just determined that the success will be the greatest punishment. And, and, and while they get the success, it's built on something dysfunctional. There are payoffs, humanly speaking, to these bad things. Satan knows it. He can't tempt us with something that's not appealing. You know, I always tell Avon, if Satan was going to poison you, he wouldn't poison you with something you don't already like. He's going to poison you with the very thing that you struggle with that appeals to you. That's where the yes comes to God and the no has to be done. And don't ever, ever, I've heard uh, some, somebody say this recently, some preacher, don't ever let Satan take away your no to, uh, to him. You, you got it, you got it. D- don't ever feel like you're in a situation where there's no way out. Scripture is clear on that. There is no temptation taken us, but such as common to man, where we're he will give us a way to escape. Jesus always gives us a way to escape because you know what? It's about him. It's not about us. But if we're feeling that way, then there is a going through moment where a level, a lesson is about to be learned and a level is about to be achieved. Find joy in that because the joy comes from the fact that the battle means winning because in Christ I can do all things. And if I don't go through the battle, I can't claim the win. Right? Without him. I, I, I'm just, if, I, if I check out, then I'm not going to get it. And it isn't just, I'll sit this one out and I'll be fine. There's no more fine. There's no more fine, church. No more. You're either in the Lord's camp winning, or you're stepping on over in agreement to Satan's camp. And he's going to build a nest like we talked about from Isaiah 59. Uh, he's going to lay some of those cockatice uh, or, or uh, adder, viper, snake eggs to begin to, to be hatched in your life, to just destroy you. Because you, we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We are to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And that's a different take on the word serpent in that, in that verse. But we are to be wise. We are to know what, what the warfare is. And, and get excited. Get excited. God's got a great plan. And I want to close, but i got to tell you what. There is so much to be had. There is so much breakthrough, deliverance, healing, encouragement, comfort, so much that we can give in the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I want more and more of the Holy Spirit to rest on me because I'm with people that have a lost loved one or who are struggling with depression or who are battling this or battling that or don't have an answer. I don't either. I don't have, have an answer except to point them. I want my life to be a pointer. I want the, the weight of, of my yes to build a level of the presence of God on me that, that whatever I do, I can just point people to Jesus because I don't have the answers, but he has the answer. And then I will say, too, in, in closing here, be careful that as we are hearing the word of God, as we're hearing the voice of God, as we're listening for his voices, we're soaking it in. Do not, and I heard Bill Johnson say this, and I'm going to repeat it because it's so good. Do not say you got a good relationship with the Lord hearing his voice here and not a relationship hearing his voice here. We have got to know the word of God to not be in error because there's a whole lot of voices speaking on that spiritual highway. We've got to know the truth of the voices so that we're not caught in false doctrine as the false prophets are rising up everywhere we go. We need the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit. And so when you are soaking, have that word handy because it is the word of God. The word of God is what I always, I literally picture it 
like a Wonder Woman sword, whatever, whatever she uses. But the sword that slices and dices the enemy when they come at me with just lies, 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 lies. You know, you're not enough, you're not enough. Every, all the, you're not, by the way, and I said this to the ladies too, remember, all the ways he hits you is because he's threatened by the fact that if you don't believe that, you'll become what God has promised. And so he's got to send you the particular lie that will counter what God has actually made you to be. So pay attention to what those lies are. And turn it on its head and be like, okay, whoa, he's coming against me in this way? What must God have for me when I don't believe all that garbage? God must have something amazing. Because whatever Satan means for evil, God means for good. Let's not just throw out these bumper sticker phrases. Do you know what that means? God has a great plan, a purpose. He has a plan for victory, for conquering. And we've got to be in him and cast down those imaginations and get to these levels. God is so good. He's so good. Father God, we just praise you. God, I just, I just love you, Lord. I just love you, Lord. I don't know how you can work with the mess that we are in our flesh, God. As I think of that song that Natalie Grant sings, The King, that I've sung too, but how can we not give you our very life for what you've given us? There's just nothing less than everything that you deserve, God, for what you've given us. And yet on top of that, on top of the cross and the salvation out of hell, you give us so much more. Because the thief might come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, you have come to give life and to give it abundantly, not just getting by barely hanging on to half a smile once in a while unless we're performing for our Christian friends so that they'll think we're smiling. But a deep joy that's so electric because it's all you. That if you could give it to Corey Ten Boom every morning at roll call in those concentration camps when just for kicks they did the roll call of all the women stripped naked just to shame them further and rip off their dignity. God, if you can give a resolve and a joy in a heart of a woman going through that, with that kind of persecution, God, then you can do anything. So as we desire to be like Jesus, God, let us not be surprised when we might just be acquainted with some grief, despised, rejected. We might just go through that. Let us not be surprised But let us recognize that in this world we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for you have overcome already. I thank you. I thank you for that, God. I pray, God, that you would invigorate us the rest of this fast. Bring a fight. Bring a fight within us. A fight that is is raised up in the spirit. That when we feel like we want to give up, God, we will come unto you when we are heavy laden, laboring, and you will give us rest for our souls. Because your burden is easy. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. So, God, as we rest in you, we will get through. But not just get through. We will win. We will be victorious. So I praise you, God. Do your will. Bring the breakthrough in this nation, in this church, in the bride, in Nigeria, in all that you're doing, God. Through this fast, God, we are 
truly expectant for the exceeding abundantly above. God, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.